Hi guys, I've recorded three more chapters of Solomon's Snow and the Silver Spoon for you, and about halfway through the week, I'll upload the last two for the week. All right, hope you enjoy. Chapter six, Eyes the Infant Prodigy, in which Sally and Prudence arrive at the circus, Signor Madalini makes a brief appearance, and the infant prodigy has a temper tantrum. The morning was cold, bright, and sparkling. It was the sort of perfect autonomal morning when birds sing, squirrels go nuts, shy little woodland creatures scuttle around preparing for hibernation, and even sheep look relatively cheerful. Sadly, it was thoroughly ruined by the sound of harsh, blaring, banging music played by the sort of band that really shouldn't. A traveling circus was in full swing in a large field. A flag mounted on a pole by the gate read, Madalini's Marvelous Extravaganza. Signor Madalini made himself stood by the gate, a money box at his elbow and a whip in his hand. He cut an impressive figure in his shiny red suit, top hat, and long riding boots. He had greasy black hair and a small waxed mustache, which looked as though someone had painted two tadpoles on his upper lip. Behind him, the band scraped, honked, and banged away. The tops of the tents, stalls, and painted caravans could be seen poking up behind the hedge. A group of runny-nosed, ragged country children stood in the lane staring at the exotic stranger. Got a penny? snapped Signor Madalini. The children slowly shook their heads. Then get the lost! He jerked his thumb. The kids still stared. He raised his whip. The children backed away, then wandered on up the lane, looking wistfully over their shoulders. Roll up! screamed Signora Madalini, cracking his whip. Roll up! This away for the extravaganza! One the penny gets you a in! One the penny is all! What treats I have in store! Dancing horses, an amazing flambo, world the famous ether of fire, Zor, the strongest man in the universe, Miss Pandora Constantinople, who will perform on the tight rope, Little Rosabella, the infant prodigy, who will sing for you and melt your heart. Wow, said Solly as they trudged up the lane. His weary eyes widened. What's going on up ahead? Uh, Madalini's marvelous extravaganza, read Prudence. So that's what's that, what's deafening everyone for miles around. They both looked the worse for wear. Their eyes were bloodshot from lack of sleep. Their boots were covered with road dust. Solly's feet were really beginning to hurt now, unsurprising considering that they had walked for the best part of the night, only stopping to catch 40 winks by the roadside just before sunrise. They hadn't talked much because they needed all their breath for walking. 
Breakfast had been a grouchy, muttered affair. They had sloshed cold stream water over their faces and shared a shriveled apple. Solly had mumbled something hopeful about cheese, but Prudence said they should save it for later. It was her cheese, so he hadn't pressed the matter. I've never been to a circus, said Solly. Me neither, said Prudence. I've read about them, of course. Of course, said Solly with a small sigh. She would have. Come, uh, screamed Signor Madalini, catching sight of them and beckoning invitingly. Come, uh, my little chickadees. Uh, come and uh, see uh, the show. Uh, uh, dancing uh, horses. One penny is all. I, I don't suppose we could, began Solly. No, said Prudence. But I've always wanted to. No, we can't afford it. We're going to walk straight past. She was right, of course, but Solly couldn't help feeling terribly disappointed. A circus was temptation of the highest order. They were just about to carry on when... A sudden, terrible, high-pitched shriek arose from behind the hedge. Signor Madalini went pale. The awful music clattered to a confused halt. A flight of startled birds took off from a nearby tree. A dog began howling miles away. A small girl shot into the lane. She was a vision in blue. She wore a blue dress, blue knee-length frilly knickers trimmed with blue lace, little blue boots, and a blue gauze bonnet tied with blue ribbons. She held a little blue parasol in her hand. The only thing about her that wasn't blue was her face, which was bright scarlet. Rosabella, said Signor Madalini soothingly. He bent down hands on knees and attempted a smile. What is wrong, Bambina? Tell Uncle Mada, what are you upset about? The blue vision planted her two little feet firmly in the road and scowled into his face. Then, quite deliberately, she drew back her dainty little parasol and rammed him in the stomach with the pointy end. At the same time, she stamped hard on his foot. Cripes, gasped Solly. Look at that! Signor Madalini doubled over, brow creased with pain. He hopped about in the road clutching his middle while the blue vision looked on in satisfaction. She then gave another scream, lay down in the road, and pounded her little fist into the dirt. She's having a temper tantrum, said Prudence with a disapproving sniff, just like my sister Joy. She'll get it now, I'll bet, said Solly, but she didn't. Rosabella, Rosabella, wailed Signor Madalini, finally recovering enough to talk. Why are you be such a bad girl? Why you do these to poor Uncle Mad, huh? But the blue vision wasn't telling. She shot up, stamped her little foot, stuck out her bottom lip, turned on her heel, and flounced off down the lane, golden curls bouncing. Rosabella! beseech Signor Madalina. Bellissima, come back. Go away, shouted the blue vision over her shoulder. I hate you. Use, use horrid. 
Leave me alone. Mamma mia, groaned Signor Madalini, clutching his head. What do I do to deserve these? Come on, said Prudence, tugging at Solly's arm. Let's go. Remember, ignore the sales pitch. As they hurried past the gate, Signor Madalini was so taken up with the rapidly receding blue vision that he didn't even look at them. Honestly, said Prudence as they got out of earshot, I thought joy was bad enough, but that little blue brat takes the... Oh! They rounded the corner and very nearly tripped over the brat herself. She was sitting in the middle of the lane, using the tip of her frilly parasol to stab holes into the packed dirt. Solly and Prudence drew up short and stared down. The small girl's face was fading from scarlet to rosy pink. Up close, they could see she had, a hu had huge melting blue eyes with long lashes. A sweet, simpering, gap-toothed smile rose to her rosebud lips. Her cheeks dimpled, and she said, Hello, has you got any sweets? No, said Prudence. Sorry, added Solly to soften the blow. She did have very blue eyes. Prudence gave him a sideways glare. Oh, I was hoping you had. Even if we did, why should we give them to you, said Prudence. Because I like them, and they won't give me any. The small girl's lower lip trembled. Why won't they? Solly asked. He felt quite sorry for her, being so deprived, although he'd never eaten a sweet in his life. Cause they's hoed. They makes me eat greens. I hate green food. Uncle Mad says I's getting too fat and lose my teeth. Come on, muttered Prudence. We're wasting time. I's not fat, is I? The small girl appealed to Solly. No, said Solly, certainly not, although she was in fact quite round. I like you. You is a nice boy. Do you think I's pretty? No, he doesn't, snapped Prudence before Solly could reply. He thinks you're a silly show-off. Come on, Solly. She hauled on his arm, but Solly resisted. The small girl fascinated him. He had never seen anyone so dressed up before. He didn't like to leave her sitting so sadly in the dirt in her blue finery. Is that your name? asked the small girl, ignoring Prudence and concentrating all her efforts on Solly. Solly? That's a nice name. Eyes little Rosabella, the infant prodigy. Where are you going, Solly? He's going to town, if that's any of your business, said Prudence. Eyes isn't speaking to you. Eyes speaking to Solly. The prodigy climbed to her feet, shook the dust off her blue dress, and placed a small trusting hand in Solly's. Her big blue eyes swam up at him. She batted her long lashes and said, Can I come? Oh, please, muttered Prudence. Her own small mud-brown eyes rolled to heaven. Um, no, said Solly, trying to disengage his hand. The prodigy had an unexpectedly strong grip. But I like town. You can get sweeties there. I get them free cause I's pretty. The red ones is the best. I'll give you some. You can have the green ones. I hate green. Oh, I think I'm going to be sick, said Prudence. Not her, though. I not share with her, added the prodigy. 
Listen, said Solly, finally prying her off. I really think you should go back to your uncle now. Why, Solly? Because you're too young to go off on your own. No, I's not. Besides, I got you to protect me. The prodigy stared up from under her eyelashes and smiled her sweetest smile. Solly, said Prudence between clenched teeth, let's go now. Yeah, all right, I'm coming. Look, er, Rosabella. Yes, look, Rosabella, I've got to go, see. I'm on sort of a quest. Don't you like me, Solly? The voice quavered, the blue eyes filled with tears. Yes, yes, I like you fine, but you can't come. So toddle on back to your uncle, all right? He gave the prodigy's bonneted head an awkward little pat, turned on his heel, and hurried to catch up with Prudence, who was stalking off down the lane. What a hideous child, spat Prudence. She was scowling horribly, and the sharp end of her nose had gone pink. Uh, I don't know, said Solly. He thought about the little blue girl and the way she had put her trusting hand into his, then held on with the unexpected grip of iron. Nice hair, he added unwisely. She's awful. I don't know why you even bother talking to her. Children like that should be ignored, not encouraged. I didn't encourage her. Oh no, so why is she following us then? Solly glanced over his shoulder. Prudence was right. The prodigy was trotting up the lane behind them, curls bouncing, a determined look on her pink face. She caught him looking and waved her little blue parasol. Yoo-hoo, Solly, wait for me. <sighs> She'll get tired in a minute, said Solly. Little did he know. Perfect Parents Interlude 2, in which the perfect parents have breakfast and continue to bemoan their missing child. More coffee, Charles? inquired Lady Elvira, hand poised gracefully over the coffee pot. Thank you, dearest, I will. Her husband spoke from behind the paper. They were having a late breakfast. Barnacle, the faithful old family servant, hovered in the background, quietly clearing away the numerous silver dishes set out on the long side tables. Any news today, dear? Lady Elvira's voice trembled slightly. I'm afraid not, darling. Ah, me. Her ladyship rose and went to the window. She looked out over the rolling lawns where a team of gardeners was busy clipping shrubs and pruning trees. Tears rose to her eyes. Will we ever find him, Charles? Will we? Come and drink your coffee, darling, urged her husband. It's getting cold. We'll find him one day. I'm sure of it. But when? Ten years we've been looking. Ten years and not even a sighting of the spoon. How many spoons have we looked at now? Hundreds, said her husband in tones of deepest gloom. Ten missed birthdays, quavered her ladyship. All those unopened gifts. He'll be too old for them now. The wooden duck on the string. The sweet little satin knickerbockers. And the miniature ponies getting quite geriatric. 
I know, dearest, I know. Look at the sky, Charles. The clouds are gathering. Do you think they are gathering over the head of our boy? Well, if they are, he can always put a hat on. But he may not have a hat. Oh, Charles, Charles. Suppose he doesn't even have a hat to cover his sweet head. What if he's out in the rain with no hat and no boots? What then? There, there. Look, why not go and play the piano? You know it calms you down. Oh, perhaps I will. But oh, if only I knew where he is now. Chapter 8 She's Awful, in which Solly and Prudence acquire an unwelcome addition to their party and sharp words are exchanged. It's no good, said Solly. I've got to take my boots off. He slowed to a halt. His feet were killing him. They had been walking nonstop for hours, uphill and down dale. The winding road seemed to go on forever past dull, endless fields and dull, empty woods. They had seen nobody, apart from the distant shepherd up on a hill, keeping watch over his dreary sheep. Once, some farm dogs had barked at them, and a cow had given them a funny look, but apart from that, nothing. All right, said Prudence, we should eat anyway. She sat on the grass verge and rummaged around in her basket. She had been distant all day, Solly had attempted a few conversational remarks from time to time, mainly about the sameness of the scenery and the agony of walking in too tight boots, but she remained silent and sniffy, so in the end he had given up. A small brook ran alongside the road. Solly flopped down next to it, hauled off his boots and wool stockings, which were more whole than stockings, and examined his feet. Oh, I've got blisters on the blisters on my blisters, he complained. Prudence shrugged and just carried on rummaging. No sympathy there. With a sigh, he lowered his throbbing feet into the water. Ouch! Now what? It's cold. They hurt. Oh, you do moan a lot, don't you? Don't you have anything but moany words in your vocabulary? What's vocat? What's that mean? vocabulary, the words you know. Yours seem to consist of nothing except ouch and oh my feet and I'm hungry. Well, I'm very sorry if my boots hurt. Can we have some cheese now, please? I'm getting it. I'm getting it. You're just like my sister Patience. No self-restraint. Goes mad if she can't have something then and there. I'm not going mad. I just like a bit of cheese, that's all, said Solly. Honestly, he thought, she's so prickly. It's coming, all right? Here. Prudence hacked off a lump and threw it at him. It fell short and landed on the grass. Solly picked it up, wiped it off, and untied his trusty crumb catcher. What did she call it again? Oh, yes, napkin. He was a foundling with a napkin. So many new words. He had to admit that being with Prudence improved your vocabulary. That was another one. How much farther do you think, he asked, spreading his napkin on his lap and placing the cheese on it. Miles. Of course, we might get a lift. Might. 
Look, said Solly, what is with you? You've hardly said a word all day. That's because I'm very disappointed in you. Why? What have I done? Nothing but complain and make an idiot of yourself with that stupid girl. How did I make an idiot of myself? I just talked to her for a minute. That's all. It's a free world. I can talk, can't I? Very deliberately, Prudence stood up, picked up her basket, and stomped off to sit under a tree with her back to him. Solly took a bite of the cheese. It was very hard. He had a feeling it might have come from a mouse trap. He chewed and swallowed. It scratched a bit going down. He glanced across at Prudence. She had taken the pencil from her bonnet and was bent over her composition book, tapping her teeth and looking thoughtful. I can talk, he shouted again. No response. Sighing, he finished his cheese and dabbed at his mouth with his napkin, which he then used to blot his feet. He tied it around his neck, pulled on his ruined stockings, eased his feet back into the boots, laced them, and stood up, trying not to groan. Stoically, he limped over to Prudence, who pretended not to notice. Prudence, he said. What? Thanks for the cheese. Look, um, I'm sorry if I upset you. A pause, then, it's all right. What? I said it's all right. So are we speaking again? I suppose so. Right. Good. So, Solly cast around for something to speak about that wouldn't end in a fight. So, what are you writing? A diary or something? No, said Prudence. She snapped the book shut, slipped it into her basket, and jabbed her pencil back into her bonnet. Well, what then? Just notes. Look, I really think we should get on. We can get a few more miles behind us before night. We'll find a barn or something. I don't fancy sleeping in the open again. It's about to rain. Briskly, she stood up. Right, good idea. Just one thing, don't waste time picking up waifs and strays. We've got to stay focused. I didn't pick up any waifs or strays. Only because I stopped you. All she had to do was bat her eyelashes. Oh, come on. Look, we shook her off, didn't we? Eventually. She was following us for miles. I can still hear those silly little blue boots tip-tapping away. Suddenly, she broke off and clutched at his arm. What? said Solly. Shh, listen. Don't you hear it? Or am I going mad? Solly listened. A sound came to his ears. Relentless footsteps approaching fast. Tippy-tap, tippy-tap, they went. Hello, Solly, trilled a familiar voice. It's me, I finded you. And around the corner trotted the prodigy. She treated Solly to a gap-tooth beam. Her teeth were stained with what looked like blackberry juice. Her parasol was a bit ripped where she had dragged it along hedges. One of her, one of her knicker legs was drooping quite badly. Apart from that, she looked just the same. Prudence and Solly stared at her, then at each other, then back to her again. I don't believe this, snarled Prudence. She marched up to the prodigy, bent down, and shouted into her face, Just what do you think you're doing? Looking for Solly, said the prodigy spiritedly. 
You see, what did I say? Prudence glared at Solly, who was sheepishly scratching his head, wondering how he was to deal with this latest unexpected development. Get rid of her now! Listen, Rosabella, said Solly. This is ridiculous. You can't be more than five. Six. All right, then, six. But you can't just up and run away like this, don't you see? Why? I want to go to the town and get sweeties. Well, you're not coming with us, declared Prudence. I'll squeam, threatened the prodigy, and she opened her rosebud mouth to do so. Scream away, said Prudence with a shrug. See if we care. No, don't, begged Solly. Whatever you do, please don't scream. All right, agreed the prodigy. I won't if you don't want me to, Solly, but I still come in. You're not sharing our food, snapped Prudence. Is she, Solly? Solly, oh, let me, won't you, Solly, said the prodigy, batting her lashes. No, he won't. Tell her, Solly, instructed Prudence, folding her bony arms and tapping her foot. Tell her, said the prodigy with a sniff. Both of them stood waiting. Solly tried out the beginnings of several sentences in his mind. None of them seemed to lead anywhere useful. Luckily, he was saved from having to respond because another sound met their ears, the sound of rumbling wheels coming closer. A cart, shouted Prudence, springing into action. Quick, flag it down. She sprinted across the grass and into the road just as the cart rounded the corner. It was empty, apart from a solitary bale of hay, and was pulled by a saggy old horse. The carter was a sour-looking man in a wide-brimmed hat and stained smock. He was eating a large meat pie. He gave the reins a reluctant tug and stared down at Prudence with a look that wasn't promising. "'We need a lift,' announced Prudence. "'We're going to town.' Uh, "'Can't take you there.' growled the cardinal. I'm Carter. I'm going to Dullingham. But that's on the way, according to my map, said Prudence, taking it out and examining it. Here, you see, Dullingham, about five miles ahead, you can take us to the turnoff. Oh, I can, can I? said the carter, chomping on his pie. It was clear he wasn't taking to Prudence, who made things worse by saying, yes, you can, in her bossiest voice. Solly and the prodigy had been listening to this exchange with interest. Wait, he wait here, Solly, said the prodigy. She doesn't know how to do it. She marched purposefully toward the cart. The carter's gaze shifted away from Prudence and alighted on the prodigy who dropped a little curtsy. Her, his eyes creased at the edges and his dour face took on a doting expression. Please, Mr. Cartman, said the prodigy, doing the batting thing with her lashes. Will you help us? My sister made us walk so far. My poor brother's got sore feet, and I's so tired. I's only a little girl. Well now, little miss, said the carter, completing his transformation into Father Christmas. Uh, how could I refuse such a dear little face? Hop on board. Want to sit up front with me? Mind you don't tear your purty little frock. Oh, thank you, 
trilled the prodigy, jumping up and down and clapping her hands. Come on, Solly, he says we can. You see, said Solly as he climbed into the back with Prudence, she's got her uses. Prudence gave him a murderous look and he said no more. The cart was uncomfortable, but it was oh such a relief to ride for a change. Solly stretched out his aching limbs and leaned his head against the hay, watching the dreary scenery go jolting past. Up front, the prodigy and the carter were getting on like a house on fire. The prodigy was prattling on about kittens and rainbows. The carter kept saying he wished he had a little girl just like her and was giving her huge bites of his pie. The prodigy was obviously having a fine time. At one point, she even burst into song. As far as they could make out over the steady clip-clop of the horse's hooves, it was a song about a happy land where little children played among the roses. Oh, just look at her, fumed Prudence. He's letting her hold the reins. Mmm, said Solly sleepily. I can't stand it. She puts it on just like my sister Delight. She needs taking down a peg or two. Did you hear me? Hmm. We've got to get rid of her. We will, promised Solly. We will. First opportunity. When? When we get to town, we'll hand her over to the magistrate. Even if she screams? Even if she screams. Prudence shuddered and stuffed hay into her ears. It was beginning to get dark now, and a thin, cold rain was beginning to fall. Up front, the carter was wiping away a sentimental tear and looking for a blanket to tuck around the prodigy's shoulders. Solly pulled his threadbare jacket around him, hunkered down, and thought about his silver spoon. He hoped it would be worth it.